Hi, it's Jonathan Mosen. Welcome back to Mosen at Large, the show that's got the blind community talking. On the show today, iOS 15.1 is out with SharePlay, Heidi and I demonstrated. JAWS 2022 is released as well. We begin our series on the Chromebook with Chromevox, and Bonnie is back. Mosen at Large Podcast. At the beginning of this week, Apple released iOS 15.1, and this has a really big new feature in that was foreshadowed at WWDC all the way back in June of this year, and it's the SharePlay feature. This allows you to do more than just listen to music and watch videos with your friends, although that's pretty cool in itself. So let's explore this with the famous Apple correspondent for Mosin at Large, the artist formerly known as Heidi Mosin, now known as Heidi Taylor. To do that, I'm going to give her a call on the actual FaceTime. FaceTime Heidi Taylor. Making a FaceTime call to Heidi Taylor. Mobile. FaceTime video call me button. Heidi Taylor, FaceTime video. I thought that you were asleep for a while there. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Welcome to Mosin at Large. Thank you. Welcome. How are you enjoying iOS 15 since we haven't really talked to you on Mosin at Large since it was released? I, I like it, yeah. I, I really like the new Safari. I know it's quite controversial, like some people don't, but I'm quite enjoying it. With the repositioned address bar and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, for those who find it controversial, they can switch it back, can't they? Yes. <laughs> there you go. Do you use the focus modes? Not much. That's my favorite feature in iOS 15. But another really cool feature is the share play thing. And this will be the first time you've used it, right? Because you just installed it for this podcast. Yes, I did. <laughs> so SharePlay allows you to work with compatible apps. And if you're going to use something like Apple TV Plus in the TV app or Netflix, potentially Disney Plus, those sorts of things, you will have to have an active subscription. Why don't you go into, say, the music app and see if we can get Mushroom FM going? Okay. So you should be able to just go into the app. You know, yep. go, go to your home screen and then go to the app. So what are you doing? Give us some audio description, man. Sorry. I have opened the music app, and now I am searching for Mushroom FM. Yep. And it's come up, and so I will tap on it. Okay. Ah, and I have a pop-up. It says, Share Play Music Content. Share Play lets you experience content with other people on FaceTime. Music may be able to determine who uses Share Play together in the app. And I can choose share play, start only for me, or cancel. Okay, then. So I guess I'll choose share play. Good idea, or this demo would be useless. <laughs> Unable to share play. This media type is unavailable while using share play in the music app. Well, that's a bit disappointing. Why don't we search for a song on music then, like Don't Shut Me Down by ABBA, which is one of the best songs in the world to in the world today. <laughs> okay, I will search for Don't Shut Me Down. Do you play it on a daily basis? No. Oh, I do. I play it several times a day. Whoa. Okay. And 
Oh. Heidi Taylor. It's oh, okay. Hang on. Me down for Jonathan Mosen. Yeah, now we've got this notification that's popped up at my end. Heidi Taylor, button. Heidi Taylor, started. Don't shut me down. Abba. Leave call button. Open messages but selected. Audio root mute off camera. Share content now. button. Open app. Share content. Open. Join share play. Oh, oh join share play. There we go. Oh, join share play. Me button. Participant shutter button. Effects button. Flipped. If so, I think me join share play. If I double tap join share play. Join. Join share play for don't shut me down with Heidi Taylor. Share play lets you experience content with other people on FaceTime. Music may be able to determine who uses share play together in the app. Yep, so that's the same prompt that you got. Join share play button. There, there's a join share play button. Music, radio, heading. I think it should now be ready. Yep. Oh yeah, and it says two listening on my end now. Now what's interesting is that when one of us talks, it ducks. So if you say something and then stop, we'll hear it actually fade back up. Right. Yeah. So I guess, yeah, it's telling me about there being two listeners. Oh, yeah, I hear it too. When I talk, it goes <laughs> That's really cool, isn't it? <laughs> that is cool. <laughs> now, I can stop it, I think. Can I stop it? I'm worried about doing a two-finger double tap in case I disconnect us. Right. Play. But I'll try. And oh, hang on. Apple Music Play button. Play. But unable to share play. Heidi Taylor left. Oh, and the two-finger double tap does appear to have disconnected the call. This media type. All right. So we'll call back. FaceTime Heidi Taylor. Making a FaceTime call to Heidi Taylor. Mobile. Heidi Taylor FaceTime video call. Me. Button. You hung up on me. You were probably asking me for money. The... What? I was just jamming to Evelyn. <laughs> the moral of the story is don't do a two-finger double tap to try and stop the content playing. Presumably it works with Apple TV Plus as well. I would assume so. Yeah. Should we try one episode say of foundation or something like that just to see now actually what's interesting is okay and what will be interesting is you have no audio description on the tv and i do yeah so presumably because we're not actually streaming the content i don't believe you should get the episode without audio description and i should get it with audio description i believe So I'm going to go to the home screen and now bring up Braille screen input. Braille screen input. Position TV. Three apps. TV. Go into the TV app. Opening TV. Selected TV. Tab bar. Watch now. Tab. And what have we got? The morning show. Continue S2. E1. Movies. Button. The foundation. Continue S1. E1. Ted Lasso. Next S1. E5. Right, we'll play Apple that. TV Plus. But Ted, La- alert. Ted Lasso. Share play TV content. Share play lets you experience content with yep, other. Yep, so there's the share play invitation. Share play button. And double tap that. TV. Media. Oh, yeah, and it's open. It's given me an option to join on my end. Video. 
Words appear. An Apple original. A Warner Brothers television production. Okay, have you joined? The yep. Door of a car now, are you getting audio description? He hustles to the driver's side. No. Right. So let me see if I can. Describe images off current position. Time elapsed. Time rem. Airplay. Skip 15. Pause button. Play. Now, this is really interesting because what it actually means is that let's say we're all watching as a family. I guess technically what that means is if we wanted to be really antisocial and all watch on our own phones, what it means <laughs> is that Bonnie and I could watch it in sync with everybody with audio description active and we could have it say on the Apple TV. Actually, yeah, that's what we would do. We could have it on the Apple TV with audio description off, share play it so that Bonnie and I could watch it on the iPhone with audio description on and then everybody gets what they want. That's pretty cool. Can you share play from an Apple TV? Yes, I believe Apple TV now does have share play. That's cool. Yes, so that would be really neat. Now, there are third-party apps that also work with SharePlay, and there'll be an increasing number of them because there is a SharePlay API, Application Programming Interface, available. And one app I suggested that you get was this Piano app that I understand works. Did you get that? Yes, I did. Okay, so why don't I run that app? I'll just go to my home screen picture again here. Picture displayed. Moving picture and picture. Video oh, yeah. controls visible. Maybe I'll just try and quit that app, actually, app just switcher. to be safe. Describe app TV. App fake TV. Close TV. Closing TV. Video Ooh. controls visible. Okay. Music. Current. Ira. And now we'll go to page two of three. Page three of three. Piano. And here's the piano app. Piano settings heading. I am now in the piano app. Beautiful. Now, <laughs> there's a button above the keyboard, which I can only assume is called SharePlay. It's the SharePlay logo, and when I tap it on, it lets me tap on it. It lets me choose to SharePlay the okay. app. Do you want to try? What are you getting? It says, started piano with friends for Jonathan Mosen. Can you play anything? Um, I'm pushing keys. Are you getting anything? No. Are you, hear are you hearing it at your end? Yes. Is there a, oh, you're something hearing you have to accept, maybe? Oh, well, okay, let's see. Audio, head, sounds, tuning. For decrement, describe images off for describe describe in horizontals horizontal C eight B seven A G set describe image A seven describe images settings set close but audio head sounds tuning decrement increment velocity decrement increment interface um, set it close button I'll close, close the settings button video My, microphone thirty four percent man and we no, let's close the app um. Hmm. Piano. Maybe that's not accessible. Let me just try again. Piano. Share play button. Oh, there we go. Share alert. Share play piano content. Share play lets you experience. Share play button. Alert. Replace piano with friends. This will end the existing share play. Replace existing button. Okay, I'll do it. Piano. Share play button. Now, are you getting a notification? 
Oh, it said Jonathan Mosin started piano with friends, and I can I tapped on that, and it says, and then there's an open button. Okay, I hear you now. I hear you playing. Yeah. Not very <laughs> precise. <laughs> Okay, so now I'm playing. <laughs> yeah, I can hear that too. <laughs> <laughs> can you play Twinkle Twinkle again and I'll see if I can do it with you. Okay. <laughs> that is really cool. I mean, because it's in perfect sync, isn't it? <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and there are all sorts of other apps that do third-party share play, like Carrot Weather and that kind of stuff. I'm not sure how accessible it is to initiate the share play session from a voiceover perspective, so I'd have to play with that a bit more. But I guess even if you had one blind person and one sighted person getting it up and running, you could you could have a go. <laughs> know any other tunes? Uh, the only one I can remember is Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. Well, and if you hold down the space bar, you get a bit of sustain. Oh, I don't have a keyboard connected. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Well, thank you for this short demo of SharePlay. It's got lots of practical benefits, I think. I mean, it's really cool that you can have these watching parties at Audio Ducks when you talk. So you can have a conversation about the movie or listen while you're listening to the music that you're enjoying together. You've got all these third-party apps. There's quite a collection already, and it's only been out a week. So I'm sure there'll be even more third-party apps that integrate SharePlay. I think it's a really cool feature. Yeah, it's really fun. Lovely. Well, thank you for being on Mosin at Large again. Oh, you're welcome. And if you want to try that app that we were playing with, it is called Piano with Friends. I'll have to play to see how accessible it is. A few more points to note about SharePlay. The first is that you can share your screen with someone via SharePlay. So if you want to, you can give someone a call and if there's an inaccessible app or something like that, or maybe you want to go through your photos with a human, with a family member, you can share your screen. They can assist you. But what they can't do is control your device. So if you have an inaccessible app that's playing up, somebody can have a look and tell you what's going on, but they can't tap anything for you. In typical Apple fashion, they have thought of privacy ramifications of this. So if you're share playing your screen with someone and you get a notification, whether it be from your email client or a text message or a breaking news app, that notification will not be shared with anybody who is viewing your screen. Let me revisit the question of using an Apple TV in conjunction with SharePlay, because I mentioned to Heidi that you could do this. This does not mean that the Apple TV has all of a sudden got a FaceTime app. What happens is that if you're nearby an Apple TV, you can choose to switch your playback over to that Apple TV to watch the video content. One of the really cool things about SharePlay is that there is a shared queue in Apple Music. So it means that once you've got the share play session established, you can kind of do a joint DJ thing. You could have a large number of people 
on a FaceTime call, all enjoying SharePlay and adding songs to the playlist, which I think is just a really fun feature when you've got a group of people together from anywhere in the world just sharing and building a playlist in real time. SharePlay is definitely a big winning feature in this round of Apple software updates. I hope you have fun playing with that. If you do, let me know how you're using it and what you think of it. Following a period of public beta testing, Vespero has released Jaws 2022. Those of you who are familiar with Jaws know that Jaws typically works on an annual cadence where you get a major release at about this time every year. But what has changed over the years is that you do get regular updates throughout the year, some of which contain a whole bunch of useful features. So it's not so much the case anymore that you would get one big drop with a lot of features and that was your lot for a year. I think that customers are probably better off that way because it means the development team can continue to work on things and you and I get them as soon as they're ready. As always, Freedom Scientific's channels are a good place to go to find out all of the new things that are in JAWS. If you go to the Help menu in JAWS and then choose What's New, you get a text list there of the new features. Freedom Scientific's own channels have a lot of information on what is new in JAWS as well. But there are a few things I wanted to highlight about JAWS 2022 and comment on. One feature of the way that JAWS works is different from most software programs. It isn't unique to JAWS, but it is rare. And that is that when you install a big annual version of JAWS, you don't overwrite the previous one. This actually does have some advantages because screen reading is so important. If by chance Vespera has missed something that's unique to your particular configuration, you can always go back to the previous version of JAWS, leave it on your system, and some people do have multiple versions of JAWS configured for different scenarios. In JAWS 2022, Vespero, it seems, has attempted to cater to most users who probably are used to installing a new version of a piece of software and having all their settings carry over without any fuss. You do this when you install a new version of Microsoft Office, when you install a new version of iOS on your phone, pretty much every other scenario that you can think of. In the past with JAWS, you have been prompted to migrate. I have to say that for years, that feature has never worked for me. If I wanted to copy my settings over from a previous version of JAWS, I would have to do it manually. And that's no problem at all. You can just go into the JAWS settings ENU folder in my case, select all, copy all those files, and then paste them to the equivalent folder in the new version of JAWS. So it's not that difficult to do. The behavior is different though in JAWS 2022. If you do an install and you accept all the defaults, what will happen is that things will migrate silently. It'll look for the most recent version of JAWS that you have. So if you're current, you'll have JAWS 2021 on your system. And then it will copy the files across to your JAWS 2022 folder without you having to do anything. Now, there are some people who won't like this, but in my opinion, the vast majority will appreciate the fact that it just does its thing. And those who want something different are most likely power users, and they will be able to take remedial steps. There are a couple of remedial steps you can take. One is that when you do the install, there is now a checkbox that disables the silent migration. And so you can check that box and tell JAWS not to copy everything across. You will then have a clean version of JAWS so you can configure it as new the way you want, or you can manually copy across those script files that you want to copy across. The other option that you have is that when the silent migration has completed, you can restore to factory defaults at any time. This could be a useful troubleshooting thing 
If you find that something is not behaving the way that you like, you don't want to do a complete uninstall and a reinstall, which would not necessarily fix the problem unless you elected to remove your user settings when you do that. Now, the one thing that I would suggest is that before you do this drastic thing, you may be able to just press the JAWS key with spacebar followed by the letter Z to toggle into JAWS default mode. That will get rid of any JAWS scripts that are currently active, anything custom that you have done, and set JAWS to behave like the defaults. If you find that that does resolve your problem, you may want to start from square one again. And here's how you do that. If I go to the JAWS menu, which for me is in the system tray. JAWS context menu. Options submenu. The oh. options submenu is first, so we'll go in there. Basics dot dot dot. B. Alt down arrow. Voices submenu. V. Braille dot dot dot. L. Manage application settings dot dot dot. M. Restore to factory settings dot dot dot. F. This is new in JAWS 2022. Restore to factory settings. I'll press enter. Leaving menus. Restore to factory settings dialog. This option will delete all your current settings and restart JAWS. Are you sure you want to continue? Yes button. I do not want to do that because I've got my jaws customized the way I like, so I will press tab. No button. Alt plus N. Or of course I can just press Alt N. 16.8. And now I'm back in Reaper, safely away from that scary dialogue that will restore to factory settings. It's not that scary, actually, because if you want, you can initiate a migration at any time to go back from any previous version of jaws that you have on your system, or at least the last couple. The next couple of things I want to show you in JAWS 2022 relates to the increasingly helpful and busy options that you have when you press the JAWS key with the spacebar followed by V. Now, V used to stand for volume, but honestly, now there's a lot of audio features here that aren't necessarily volume related. Nevertheless, there's a lot of good stuff going on here. You may remember that during the JAWS 2021 cycle, Vespero added the option to separately adjust the system volume from the JAWS volume, which is very handy. Now, there are a couple of other tricks that you can do that I think are very useful. The first one is one that I'm not likely to use because of my hearing impairment, but I can appreciate that this is going to be a feature that many people are going to love, and it's the ability to route your JAWS speech to one side of the stereo spectrum and all your other audio to the other. At the moment, I've got everything set the way that I normally have it set. I've got Lisi installed from Harchin Consultancy, and one of the features that Lisi has is the ability to call up a bunch of radio stations on demand. Mushroom FM runs a station called Mushroom Escape that plays a lot of drama, comedy, doing some audio-described movies, and of course that's where my kids' show Small World is on a Sunday. So I have that assigned to a Lisi command. If I activate that now, Lisi, and then we'll push this key here. Connecting to Mushroom Escape. You one HTD. I guess so. I forgot. What, what's this bit about the stones? This is normal behavior. I've got Jaws and the radio station coming through both channels in the stereo spectrum. Now I'm going to press the Jaws key with the space bar and then the letter V for Victor, or in this case, volume, I guess. Volume. And now I'm going to press B for balance. Balance. I'm now going to press the left arrow. I've got some choices. I can press left arrow, right arrow, or up arrow. Left arrow will root jaws to the left channel and everything else to the right. The right arrow will root jaws to the right channel and everything else to the left. Up arrow will set everything back to normal. I'll press left arrow. Left. Now jaws is only in the left channel. Now I'll tell you something interesting about this. This is also a really easy way to work out if you have certain things wired correctly. When I'm using my computer, I have a cable 
that runs from my hearing aids to a 3.5 audio jack. It gives zero latency and it really allows me to be productive. But there's no easy way tactually to tell which is the connector for the left hearing aid and which is the connector for the right. So sometimes I get that wrong and I play a file that I'm familiar with to make sure that I have the correct channel cabled to the correct hearing aid. So now I've done this, I'm going to press the Lisi key. Lisi. And now my command to launch Mushroom Escape. Connecting to Mushroom Escape. Sound off for Chesterfield. Oh boy, those cigarette ads on the old radio shows. So that's how it works. You might find that this is useful when you're wearing headphones, but equally, if you have stereo speakers connected, it could be an easy way to isolate your Jaws speech from everything else. I'm going to set it back to normal now, so remember to do that. We press the Jaws key with space. Now V for volume. Volume. And now B for balance. Balance. And all I have to do now is press the up arrow key. Balance restored. And the balance is restored to the universe. (sighs) Let's have a look now at another thing that has been added in this layer, the volume layer. And this is a feature that will appeal to you if you have a lot of audio devices on your system. You probably already know that there is a way to tell JAWS which of your audio devices to use. The one thing that catches most people out, in my experience, if they're playing around with USB headsets and that sort of thing, is that when they plug in something like an audio interface or some new audio peripheral, people can often be surprised that JAWS just goes away or goes somewhere that they don't expect it to go. The reason for that is that by default, and in my view quite reasonably, JAWS uses whatever the default audio option is to send its speech out. That can get you into trouble. So if you always want JAWS to come out of a particular place, you should go into this dialogue, which has been around for yonks. Let me show you. JAWS context menu. Option submenu. Oh, I'll press U to get to the utilities menu. Voice assistant submenu. S. And then O for sound cards. Sound cards submenu. O. I'll press enter. Windows default sound card. W. This is the default and this is the thing that can get people into trouble when they plug in new peripherals. So what I've done, if I just arrow through here. Realtek digital output real speakers to focus right USB audio checked. S. Now, at the moment, because I'm recording, I have this expressly set to one set of outputs of my Focusrite 8i6 audio interface. And I always expressly specify where JAWS speech is to go. And that way, if I plug in a new audio peripheral, JAWS is not affected by the fact that I've plugged in a new audio peripheral. Now, if you haven't done that and you find yourself in a little bit of hot water and your JAWS speech has gone somewhere, this dialogue is a bit difficult if you don't have any Braille because... When you arrow through it, the changes don't take immediate effect. Let's go out of this now. I'll press escape. Leaving menus. 29.4. Now I'm back in Reaper, which I'm using to record this demonstration. Let's show you the new thing. I'll go to the JAWS key with space and V. Volume. Now I'm going to press C, which I guess stands for card. Sound cards. Now when I up and down arrow... You are probably not hearing that, but in my headphones, I'm hearing that I'm now on the built-in sound of the Realtek audio that is built into this computer. Typical, horrible Realtek stuff. It takes immediate effect, and I have a lot of audio choices here. So all I have to do is up and down arrow through this list, and as soon as I make a change, that change takes immediate effect. So if I up arrow again... Speakers to Focusrite USB audio. The speech is back where I need it to be, and I'll just escape out of here. 
and the change has taken immediate effect. This is a very cool thing, and it will save people's bacon on many occasions, I'm sure. If you just remember to do the JAWS key with space and then V and then C, then you can up and down arrow until you start hearing speech, you'll be back in business again. It's a really cool feature. And the final thing I want to talk about is JAWS with Microsoft Outlook. Overall, there is an increase in responsiveness in Microsoft Office applications, and I actually think in JAWS generally. I don't think I'm imagining this. JAWS just seems to be a little bit more responsive with this release. Vespero giveth and Vespero taketh away, and in the process of refactoring their Microsoft Outlook support, I guess to take advantage of new technologies that Microsoft is exposing for them, we have lost the customized Outlook message list feature. I really do miss this a lot. I think it is a loss to the blind community that this feature is gone because while all of the functionality is still available, it's much more convoluted to get the same thing done. What you used to be able to do in previous versions of JAWS was press the JAWS key with F2, and then in that list of managers, you would find an option when you were in Microsoft Outlook called Customize Outlook Message List. For both speech and Braille, you would have columns that showed you all the fields that were visible, and you could reorder them. You could also silence individual fields. It was a very friendly, elegant, and most important of all, efficient dialogue. Now that has gone. And so you can move your fields around by going into Microsoft Outlook's own options. It's going to take you a lot longer to get that done than it used to in previous versions of JAWS, but you can get used to getting it done. And of course, this is where we get into all sorts of fun, philosophical, esoteric discussions about screen reader user interfaces, because there will be some who are happy about the fact that this JAWS customized Outlook utility has gone because they say that it's not necessary for a screen reader to duplicate functionality that is already available, that blind people are better served using the user interface that's available to everybody rather than have them teach something that is specific to a screen reader. I do get that point, but for me, the most important thing is getting things done efficiently. And when I want to make a change, I want to get that change done as snappily as possible and get on with my work. As I say, one of the most important features of that customized Outlook utility was the ability to silence certain things. I do not want to know, for example, when a message is unread. I know I haven't read it. And for me, having the word unread spoken as a prefix to every message in my inbox I haven't read is verbiage I can do without. What's interesting is that even if you get rid of the field in the Outlook view options, so that you don't visually see whether a message is unread or not. Microsoft is still exposing that information to screen readers, and most screen readers, including Narrator, are still reading that information. So although we have lost the Customize Outlook message list, Vespero has given us a new way to control that level of verbosity. I'm going to alt-tab into Microsoft Outlook. Inbox Primary Mail Outlook. I'm in Outlook now, and I'm going to press the JAWS key with V for verbosity. Since we no longer have that message list customization, this is the logical place to put this feature. Dialog. Search box edit. Control plus E. I'm going to press the tab key. Tree view. Zero. Reading options. Open. 16 items. I'm going to press the left arrow to close reading options. Reading options. Closed. One of 12. Now I'm going to press down arrow. Message status. 
Open. And now we're into the branch of the verbosity settings controlling message status. When I down arrow here. One. Indicate unread, not checked. One Ooh, of three. Thank message goodness. Status. I've set this so that I don't hear the word unread before every single unread message. Indicate reply checked. I have got this one set so that I know that I've replied to a message. And finally, indicate forwarded checked. This one tells me when I forwarded a message. I could probably do without this one on, but I'll leave it on for now. So that's how you control what JAWS is speaking in the message list. If you want to control the order of things, well, now we go into the view menu of Outlook. Upper ribbon, view tab, alt comma, V. That's right. You press alt V and now I press tab. Menu, change view submenu, change the current view to another view, alt comma, V comma CV. I'll press tab again. Current view submenu. Alt comma V comma Y1. And press enter. Leaving menus. Show us conversations. Alt comma V comma Y1 comma. And I'll press tab. Message preview submenu. View settings dot dot dot. We'll go into view settings. Leaving menus. Leaving ribbons. Dialog. Columns dot 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 button. Alt plus C. I'll press enter on the columns option. Dialog. User defined fonts on each message. Show columns. Maximum number of lines. I'll press tab. Select available columns from. Add available columns. New column dot dot dot. Add button. Show columns. OK button. Show columns. Show these columns in this order. Multi-select list box. Not selected importance. One of nine. So Alt there are the columns and you can reorder them. You can delete them. But as you can see, it's buried and it's also not as intuitive an interface as what we had with the customized Outlook message list view. So that's JAWS 2022. Overall, a worthwhile upgrade so far. Of course, if you are migrating to Windows 11, Windows 11 support will be improving all the time with JAWS 2022. So that's an important consideration as well. And it just seems really responsive, which is a very good thing to see. As always, you can download a demo of JAWS from freedomscientific.com. If you are an SMA user, then this is an SMA upgrade. It is also available, of course, if you're on the JAWS subscription plan. Be the first to know what's coming in the next episode of Mosin at Large. Opt in to the Mosin media list and receive a brief email on what's coming so you can get your contribution in ahead of the show. You can stop receiving emails anytime. To join, send a blank email to me media-subscribe at mosen.org. That's media-subscribe at mosen.org. Stay in the know with Mosen at Large. When Google announced the first Chromebook in 2011, many tech pundits just shrugged their shoulders. A computer that pretty much only ran Google Chrome seemed like a limited and not very attractive idea. But several things have happened in the 10 years that Chromebooks have been around that have made Chromebook a big seller in the computer laptop market. The abundance of Web 2.0 and so-called rich internet applications have seen the browser become more than a place that we go to visit static pages of text. The browser is now a place where we can run full applications, where we can manage emails, spreadsheets, documents, presentations, and even create multimedia content. And certainly people watch a lot of multimedia content through their browser as well, with all of the major streaming service providers offering web-based applications. Chrome OS itself has matured, now supporting Android applications as well, 
With Android being the most popular mobile operating system in the world, having a laptop that can run all the familiar apps that you may already have from your Google Play Store account is a compelling proposition. And then the pandemic hit. I became interested in Chromebooks because of my day job as the CEO of a national employment service for disabled people in New Zealand. Our government was aware of the digital divide that the lockdown glaringly highlighted, and it scrambled to put computers in the hands of those who couldn't afford them, or who previously didn't have training in the use of computers and didn't feel confident doing it themselves. When you're buying that many computers, the cheaper the better. Chromebooks fit the bill. A report by Canalys states that Chromebook shipments went up from 14.7 million units to 30.7 million units in 2020 alone. In Q4 2020, 3.5 million of these machines were shipped by HP, while 2.8 million were shipped by Lenovo. Laptop brands Dell and Acer each shipped about 1.5 million units in 2020. Chromebooks have overtaken Macs as the most popular operating system behind Windows. In Q1 2020, Apple and Google were neck and neck. Windows grabbed 87.5% of the market, Mac OS took 5.8%, and Chrome OS captured 5.3%, so very close. But in Q2 of 2020, Windows fell to 81.7%, Mac OS grew to 7.6%, and Chrome OS leaped ahead to 10%. Q3 and Q4 of 2020 confirmed the trend. Windows dropped further to 78.9% for Q3, and then 76.7% for Q4. Mac OS grew to 8.4% for Q3, and then fell back to 7.7% for Q4, while Chrome OS had 11.5% for Q3 and then a whopping 14.4% market share for Q4. The Q4 results are particularly notable because the fourth quarter tends to be the biggest for PC shipments. It's a testimony to how far accessibility has come that there are many of us who consider ourselves blind computer geeks who've heard that Chrome OS is accessible and may have briefly enabled ChromeVox, the screen reader that's built into every Chromebook, but hadn't actually got up close and personal to really evaluate whether Chromebooks are a viable solution for blind people. Because some of the customers we serve in my day job have the opportunity to be given Chromebooks, I bought myself a Chromebook so I could take a look for myself. I'm going to take you on a tour of a Chromebook with ChromeVox running on it, and by the end of it, hopefully you'll be able to form your own opinion about whether you think you can imagine yourself or perhaps somebody you know who doesn't have a computer at the moment using one. But I'll say right from the outset that I'm much more impressed than I expected to be with the way that ChromeVox works on Chrome OS. If you have a Mac or a Windows computer now, and you're proficient with the screen reader that you currently use, I think it's unlikely that you'd want to ditch what you have for a Chromebook. But people who haven't used a computer before, who are willing to put the work in to get to know the operating system and the screen reader and appropriate applications, could get things done and enjoy many of the things the web has to offer, and the experience that you'll have will be surprisingly speedy and pleasant.
Not surprisingly, Chromebooks work particularly well with Google's own workspace offerings, including Gmail, Google Calendar, Google Docs, and Google Sheets. But you can also use it with the online versions of Microsoft Office, and you can download the Android applications for Office if you prefer. Since Chromebooks generally store data in the cloud, they don't need a lot of storage, and they don't require hefty processors or RAM, which also contributes to their affordability. Chromebooks are Linux-based, software updates happen automatically, your data is backed up to the cloud, and they're not susceptible to viruses, but of course you still have to be aware of phishing attacks. Boot times are impressive, and battery life is amazing. You can do some work offline if you take the right steps to do so in advance, but they tend to be quite reliant on an internet connection. That can be problematic, for example, if you find yourself at a hotel with dodgy internet. Although, as long as you can tether your smartphone to your Chromebook, you should be good to go. Admittedly, I have a very high-end Windows laptop, but I was able to buy a Chromebook for about 10% of what I paid for my very fast and slick Dell XPS 15. Bonnie and I went to a local department store that sells computers and there were several Chromebooks on display from companies like Acer, HP, Dell and Lenovo. And it really came down to the feel of the keyboard for me and whether I wanted to pay a little extra for a touchscreen model, in the end I elected not to do that. I purchased an Acer C733 Chromebook It has an Intel Celeron CPU with 4GB of RAM, 32GB of storage, and an 11.6-inch screen, so it's quite small and light. Incidentally, you can get a lot of information about your system by opening a tab in Chrome OS and typing chrome colon slash slash system. Now, times have changed, and there was once a time when we would be happy to get a computer, and perhaps for those of us who were less confident with these things, would expect an assistive technology expert or a trusted sighted friend to come and get things talking for us. Increasingly, we're expecting that these things should be able to talk out of the box. So can a blind person get a Chromebook home from the store and get it talking themselves? The answer to that is absolutely yes, This is one of the best experiences I've ever had in terms of getting something new that I've never really used before out of the box and getting it talking without any help required whatsoever. To show you what to expect when you get a Chromebook out of the box and you've taken it home, I've power washed my Chromebook. This is a really simple process where you sign out of your Google account and then you press Control-Alt-Shift-1. R, and you go through a process of power washing the computer, essentially resetting it to factory defaults, and it behaves as if you've never used it before. So that's the state that we're going to begin this review in, as if the computer had just come out of its box. Now, the one thing that I did run into trouble with when I got my computer out of the box was that when I lift the lid of this Chromebook, it automatically powers up. I don't know whether that is typical of all Chromebooks, but it's not something I was expecting. So as somebody who doesn't even see light from dark, I couldn't tell whether the screen was on or anything like that. I lifted the lid and then I pressed the power button. So initially, I was frustrated by the fact that nothing happened. The reason for that was that lifting the lid powered it on. So when I pressed and held down the power button for a couple of seconds, I powered it off again. I am now going to power the computer on. And I've done that now. 
and we'll just give it a few seconds to boot up. I'm not sure whether we'll hear any kind of sound when this thing boots up for the first time. In effect, there we go. We do, in fact, hear that sound. And so that tells me that we're all ready to go. We need to enable ChromeVox at this point. And the magic keys to do that on any Chromebook are Control, Alt, and Z. So I'll press Control, Alt, and Z together. Welcome to Chromebox. Chromebox spoken feedback is ready. Welcome to the Chromebox tutorial. To exit this tutorial at any time, press the escape key on the top left corner of the keyboard. To turn off Chromebox, hold Control and Alt and press Z. When you're ready, use the spacebar to move to the next lesson. Couldn't be simpler. Just waiting for that sound that made it very clear that the Chromebook had booted. Then I pressed Control Alt Z and we were up and running. I'm going to press the spacebar now. One thing that Google has always been very good at is these tutorials, and the Chromebook is no exception. Essential keys, control. Let's start with a few keys that you'll use regularly. The control key can be used to stop any current speech. Find the control key on the bottom left corner of your keyboard. To continue, press the control key. There is consistency about the way that keys are laid out on a Chromebook and the control key, as the tutorial says, is the bottom left-hand key of the keyboard. It's quite a large key and it can be large because there's only two keys on the left-hand side of the spacebar. There's no equivalent to the Windows key or the Option key, say, in the case of a Mac. So you've just got two big keys on the left of the spacebar, Control and then Alt. So I'll tap Control as the tutorial instructs. Let's start. Essential keys. Shift. Now, find the left shift key, which is directly above the control key. To continue, press the left shift key. I'll press that. Essential keys. Search. Next, you'll learn about the search key. The search key is used in combination with other keys for Chromebox commands. The search key is immediately above the left shift key. To continue, press the search key. The tutorial isn't going to tell you this, but the search key is where you would expect the caps lock to be on most keyboards, just above the shift key. And it acts like a modifier, say the JAWS key or the NVDA key. So I'll tap that. Basic navigation. Now you'll learn some basic navigation. You can hold search and press the arrow keys to move around the screen. To continue, press search plus right arrow. So we're using it like a modifier. I'll hold down the search key and press right arrow. If you reach an item that you want to click, press search plus space. Try it now to continue. I'll do that. Tab navigation. You can also use the tab key to move to the next interactive item on the screen. Find the tab key, which is directly above the search key. To continue, press the tab key. The tab key is exactly where you would expect it to be on a keyboard like this. I'll press tab now. Tab navigation continued. You can use shift plus tab to move to the previous interactive item. To continue, press shift plus tab. I'll do that. Enter. You can also press enter to activate items. For example, enter can be used to submit text in a form. To continue, press enter. I'll press enter now. Drop down lists. Heading 1. Press search plus right arrow or search plus left arrow to navigate this lesson. Okay, I'll press search plus right arrow. There will be times when you need to select an item from a drop-down list. To do so, first expand the list by pressing search plus space. Then use the up and down arrow keys to select an item. Finally, 
Collapse the list by pressing search plus space. I'll press search plus right arrow now. Press search plus right arrow to find the practice area or the next lesson button. Then press search plus space to activate. So I'll press search plus right arrow. Practice area button. And activate it. Press search plus space to activate. There's the hint. So it does have hints rather like, say, the JAWS tutor voice or the voiceover hints option. Dialogue. Practice area. Drop down lists. Try selecting your favorite season from the list. My favorite season close practice area. Try selecting your favorite season from the list. I'll press search with right arrow. My favorite season. Spring. Button. Has pop up. With four items. Collapsed. Press search plus space to activate. There's a lot of information there, so it tells us right there that there are four items in this list even before we invoke it, so I'll do that. My favorite season button has pop-up with four items. Expanded. Press N search plus space to activate. Now I can up and down arrow. List box with four items. Summer list item. Two of four. Autumn list item. Winter list item. Four of four. And will it wrap? No. So if I want to go back up to spring. Autumn, summer, spring, list item, one of four. And it doesn't wrap, so I'll down arrow to winter. Summer, autumn, winter, list item, four of four. And press enter. My favorite season, winter, button, has pop up, with four items, collapsed. Press search plus space to activate. I'll press search with right arrow now. Close practice area button and press the close button press practice area button search with press right search arrow next lesson button and go to the next lesson quick orientation complete heading one press search plus right arrow or search plus left arrow to navigate this lesson i'll do that i'll go right well done you've learned the chromebox basics you can go through the tutorial again or exit this tutorial by finding and clicking on a button below after you set up your device you can come back and view more tutorials by pressing search plus O, then T. Previous lesson, button. Restart quick orientation, button. All lessons, button. Main menu, button. Exit tutorial, button. Press search plus space to activate. And I've done that and now we are at... Welcome. Heading one. The setup screen. So let's Press search go plus space this. to activate. Select language and keyboard button. Currently selected language is English Australia. Button. Press search plus space to activate. I think I'm going to set this to English US actually, so I will press search with space. Choose your language and keyboard. Dialog. Choose your language and keyboard language select language keyboard select keyboard OK. Select language. English Australia. Button. Has pop up. With 344 items. Collapsed. Press search plus space to activate. A lot of language options there. Select language button has pop up with 344 items. Expanded. Press search plus space to activate. I've done that and now I should be able to down arrow. List box with 344 items. Amharic, Ethiopia, Amerinia, Ethiopia, list item. We should be able to use first letter navigation, so I'll press E. English, Anguilla. English Antigua, English Austria, English Bahamas, English Barbados, English Belgium, English Belize, English Bermuda, English Botswana, English British, English British Virgin Island, English Burundi, English Cameroon, English Gambia. You can hear I'm down arrowing, it's quite responsive. 
English Isle of Man English Marshall Island English Palau English St. Helena English Tanzan English Tuvalu List Ida English United Kingdom English United States POSIX List Item English United States List Item 163 of 300 So there are two there English United States POSIX English United States list item. I think I just choose that one. English US English. Yep. Select Welcome to Chromebox. Chromebox spoken feedback is ready. Welcome to the Chromebox tutorial. To exit this tutorial at any time. Now it's press gone. Press the escape key on the top back. left. Select language. English United States. So I just pressed the escape key. I think because I changed my language, it decided to give me the tutorial again. So I've pressed escape to quickly quit the tutorial. And now we'll continue the setup of the Chromebook. Keyboard. Select keyboard. US. Button. That's Has fine. pop up. With three items. Collapsed. Press search plus space to activate. I'll go right with search and right arrow. Okay. Button. And that's all we have. Press search plus space to activate. I'll do that. Welcome. Dialog. Welcome. Select language and keyboard button. Currently selected language is English United States. POSIX. Accessibility Let's Go. Select language and keyboard button. Currently selected language. I'll go right. Accessibility. Button. And let's have a look at accessibility, which is right here on the setup screen. So we'll press the search key with the space bar to set this up. Accessibility settings. Dialog. Accessibility settings, you can customize this device to fit your needs. These accessibility features can be changed later in settings. Large mouse cursor, high contrast mode, screen magnifier, select to speak, docked magnifier, on-screen keyboard, OK. I don't think there's anything I want to change here. Large mouse cursor, high contrast mode, screen magnifier, select to speak, docked magnifier, on-screen keyboard, OK, button, Chrome. Yep. Accessibility and then it settings. It wraps around. So I am not going to change any of this. I would like to enable dictation a bit later. On screen. Okay. Button. Welcome. Dialogue. Welcome. We'll continue to traverse this screen. Let's go. Button. And now we have a let's go button. So we've done those initial setup steps. Connect to network. Dialogue. Connect to network to restore your data. Connect to the internet network one of seven. Manandwifi. Secured. Signal strength 98%. Connect network 2 of 7. Now we've got a list of networks, and I want to connect to our 5 gigahertz network, which is called MAN and Wi-Fi 5G. So I think I should down arrow here. Network 2 of 7. Manandwifi 5G. Secured. Signal strength 98%. Sounds good. Let's press enter. Password. Password edit text. And I'm going to type in the network key. Bullet, 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 bullet. And press enter. Alert. Connecting to Manandwifi 5G. Chrome. Alert. Connected to Manandwifi 5G. Strong signal. Google Terms of Service. Dialog. Google Chrome OS Terms Contents. And if you want to, you can read the Google Terms of Service, which I have already done because I've set up the Chromebook before. So I'm going to get past it. And the way I'm going to try is to navigate to a checkbox, which I'm sure there will be in a Terms of Service screen like this. This slightly leaps us ahead to some other commands I will eventually show you. But you can navigate by various elements on the screen. 
and it's very Jaws-like. So if I want to navigate to a checkbox on the screen, I hold down the search key, which is the Chromevox key when Chromevox is active, and press the letter X. Optional. Help improve Chrome OS features and performance by automatically sending diagnostic and usage data to Google. Learn more. Tick box. Ticked. Exited document. Optional. Help improve. Okay, that's fine. I'm happy to leave that checked. Back. Button. Accept and continue. Button. And I'll press that. Pre checking for updates. Determining device configuration. Who's using this Chromebook? Dialogue. Who's using this Chromebook? You can always add more people after setup. Each person can personalize their account and keep data private. You set up this device for work or personal use. A child set digital ground rules to help children play. Explore and do schoolwork at home next. All right, let's navigate the screen and set this up. Chrome. Who's you? You can always... You set up this device for work or personal use. Radio button selected. That's selected and that's what I want. A child set digital ground rules to help children play. Explore and do schoolwork at home. Radio button unselected. Next button. And let's activate the next button. I'm going to press the search key and the space bar to do that. Dialogue. Back next. Please wait. Sign in to your Chromebook. Sign in. Google accounts. Region. Form. Email or phone. Edit text. Email entry. And now it is asking me for my Google ID, the email address that is associated with my Google ID. So I'm going to type that in now and not record what I'm typing in. So I've done that and I'll press the tab key. Forgot email. Button. More options. Button. Back. Button. Next. Button. I was tabbing, so I'll press enter on the next button. Jonathan Mosen. Enter your password. Password edit text. Region. And I can now type my password into this field. Bullet. 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 And press enter. Two-step verification. This extra step shows that it's really you trying to sign in. Enter code. Edit text numeric only. Region. Form. I may well do a feature on this for Mosin at Large sometime in the future, but recently I have switched as many things as I can from SMS authentication, which is unreliable at times and also has some security vulnerabilities, to an authenticator app on my iPhone. And I've chosen the Microsoft Authenticator app. So I need now to look in the Microsoft Authenticator app. Every 30 seconds, it generates a new key, and I will have to type that key into the Chromebook, and that will authenticate me. So I'll do all of that while the recording is paused. I've entered the code. I'll press Enter. Please wait. Alert. Signing in. And that seems to have worked because it's signing in and playing a chirpy tune. Welcome to Chromebox. Chromebox spoken feedback is ready. Welcome to the Chromebox tutorial. To exit this tutorial at any time, press the escape key on the top left corner of the keyboard. To turn off Chromebox, hold Ctrl and Alt and press Z. I'm going to when press you're escape. Ready, you're signed in. Dialog. You're signed in. Chrome sync your bookmarks. History. Passwords and other settings will be synced to your Google account so that you can use them on all of your devices. Personalize Google services. Google may use your browsing history to personalize search. Ads and other Google services. 
You can change this at any time at myaccount.google.com slash activity controls slash search review sync options following setup accept and continue. Accept and continue button. As you can hear, this is just such a very smooth, slick, accessible process. We've now seen the tutorial three times, but I guess that's better than not seeing any tutorial at all. And you can be very much acquainted with how to navigate the basics, but there's a lot more to show you once we get through this process. Chrome, you're signed in. Review sync options following setup. Tick box, not ticked. Google may use your personalized your bookmarks. History. Review sync options following setup. Tick box. Not ticked. So I don't think I need to worry about the sync options. We'll go on. Close. Button. Chrome didn't shut down correctly. Oh. Cancel. Button. Restore. Default. Button. I think we'll just hit cancel here. Cancel. This is the first time we've run it, so I'm not sure why it's giving that message. Tab created. And Mushroom now, FM, there we go. The home of the fun guys. With four decades of magic mushroom memories. Mushroom FM. Mushroom FM. The home of the fun guys. With four decades of magic mushroom memories. Mushroom FM. Here we are. Mushroom FM is my home page and Chrome has loaded and we're set up and we're ready to use the Chromebook. When you power up the Chromebook from now on, you'll sign in with your Google account password and then very quickly the Chrome browser will open and you'll be taken to whatever the default experience that you've opted for in Chrome. This works the same way as the Google Chrome on your desktop or on any other device that you have. And in fact, if those other devices are signed into your Google account, then it's all in sync. So any history will sync, any tabs that you have from other devices will sync. If you've set certain pages to be your home page in Chrome on other devices, then you will find that that is all automatically inherited on the Chromebook. So it's pretty cool if you are a Google Chrome user across all your devices. And if you're not, but you do get into the Chrome OS ecosystem, then it is kind of a big incentive for you to use Google Chrome on all your other devices, including iOS, Windows, and Android, and of course, Mac OS as well. A lot of the commands are the same, so you can press Ctrl-T to create a new tab. We can press various keys like Ctrl-L to go to the address bar to open a location. We can also use voice search. So if I open a new tab by pressing Ctrl-T. Tab created. And I'll press the tab key now. Banner. Gmail. Images. Google Apps. Google Account. Combo box. Combo box. Search by voice. Button. There's the search by voice button. Press search plus space to activate. If I press that search plus space to activate, I can say something like. Use your microphone. www.google.com wants to use your microphone. Close button. Block button. Allow button. Well, we want to allow that, so we'll press do that. Press search plus space. New tab. Dialog. Close didn't get that. Try again. New tab. That's fine. We'll try it again now that we've given permission. That's a one-off thing, of course, because this is essentially a new device now. Customize. New tab. Banner. Images. Google. Google. Combo box. Search by voice. Let's try it again. Dialog. Close waiting. Dialog. What's the forecast Close for waiting. tomorrow? Waiting. Press search plus space to activate. What's the forecast for tomorrow? Google search. What's the forecast for tomorrow? Google search. And now we should be able to navigate. Accessibility link. Search modes. Search results. Heading 1. Main. Weather result. Heading 2. And there's the weather. Cloudy. 
Image. 18. Heading. Degree Celsius. Disabled. Button. So we've got the weather forecast. Sometimes I have heard the Google Assistant speak the answers back, and it may be that we just need to do a bit more configuring. We'll certainly explore the settings in due course. But I want to talk a little bit about the way that Chromevox works now. One of the features that will be very useful to you is sticky mode. And this is a lot like QuickNav in iOS or scan mode in Narrator. It means that you can navigate around without having to hold down the search key and press the left and right arrow keys to move around the screen. It also means that you can use the many shortcuts that are in ChromeVox without having to hold down the search key. And I'll tell you more about some of those commands in a moment, but to toggle sticky mode, you press the search key twice quite quickly. Sticky mode enabled. Sticky mode is now enabled, and that means that I can just press the right arrow key. Degree Fahrenheit button. Precipitation, 10%. Humidity, 84%. And it also means if I want to navigate by heading, I can press the letter H. Granada Village, Wellington, heading 3. How do we know about these shortcut keys? Well, there are various ways that you can discover what to do with Chrome OS and Chromevox, and I want to show you some of those now. Like many screen readers, Chromevox has a keyboard learn mode. And if you are used to the way that Android works, at least it's worked this way historically, you have these sort of multi-layered gestures in Android. And indeed, the Google ecosystem loves multi-layer everything. If you've ever used Google Docs, then you will know, for example, that there are often two keystrokes that you have to execute. So you might press sort of Alt-N for next, and then another key to tell the app what the next thing is that you're dealing with. And so there are multi-layered commands in ChromeVox. I find them a bit hard to get used to, but to be fair... JAWS has gone this way too with their JAWS key with the spacebar and the multi-layered commands in there. So I guess it's just a consequence of having so many functions that you may not have sufficient keys anymore. So let's have a look at this. The first thing I want to do is turn the keyboard learn mode on and we'll just press a few keys to see what they do. To do that, you press the search key with O. Think of that as the options key. And then you press the letter of the key whose option you want to activate. So in this case, because we want to toggle keyboard learn mode on, we press search with O for options and then K for keyboard learn. I'll do that. Search with O. I don't get any feedback. And then K. Chromebox learn mode. Chromebox learn mode. Press a QWERTY key. Refreshable Braille key or touch gesture to learn its function. Press control with W or escape to exit. Welcome. Welcome to Chromebox learn mode. And I've come in here. Because there is a row of function keys above the QWERTY row of the keyboard, and these do not perform traditional function keys. The concept of, say, F1 for help or F4 for closing things with the old key, that does not exist in Chrome OS. Remember, this is not Windows. This is a completely different operating system. These keys have dedicated functions. The left-hand key is the escape key, and I'm not going to press that because that will exit the learn mode. I'll press the first one after the escape key, what we might think of as F1. Back. And that performs the back function. I'll press the next one. Forward. And that's forward. Quite handy, because remember, a lot of this is browser-based, so if you want to move forward and back through your browser history, these are very good keys to press, F1 and F2, essentially. We'll press what we would think of as F3. Refresh. And that is the refresh key, so that's a bit different. Normally, you would press F5 to refresh in Windows, 
but uh, it's the F3 key on a Chromebook. Go to what we would think of as F4. Toggle full screen. That toggles full screen. I'll press the F5. Window overview. Brightness down. Brightness up. Now F8 is the mute key, so I won't press that. Volume down. Volume up. And then we have the power button at the end of that row, at least on this Chromebook. I'm not sure how consistent that layout is from device to device, but I have a feeling it is fairly consistent. From within here, you can also press, say, the H key. H. And you'll get no feedback other than that's the letter H, even if you are in sticky mode. But if you hold down the search key and H, you will get its function. Search. H. Next heading. And we can also press X. Next tick box. So this is all sounding very familiar if you are a JAWS user. If we press B with the search key. Search. B. Next button. And E. E. Next editable text area. F. F. Next form field. Yep. Really familiar. L. Next link. We can go through. These are a few differences from JAWS, but they are very similar overall. Just like in JAWS, you can press shift with any of these keys to go backwards. And what's very nice is that if you press the control key in conjunction with any of these keys, you will get a list of the elements in question. For example, pressing Chromevox control H will give you a list of headings. So you can go in here and press these keys to your heart's content and not worry about breaking anything in this learn mode. Even if you just tap one of the modifier keys, like if I tap control. Control. Stop speech. And. Search. Shift. So they all tell us what they do. And I'm going to press the escape key now. What's the forecast for tomorrow? Google search. And we're back in that tab I can close this tab by pressing Control w That'll be a familiar command. Mushroom FM. And we're back on the home page, which is Mushroom FM. Another way that you can learn about what keys do what, or sometimes there might be a function that you want to perform that you don't do very often, and you just think, I know that Chromevox can do this, but I'm just not remembering how. We can get to a menu system, which is very comprehensive for Chromevox. We do it by pressing the search key and the full stop or the period key. Stick, search the menus, search. Type to search the menus. Use the up and down arrows to cycle through results. Use the left and right arrows to adjust the text caret and to move between menus. For JAWS users, this is very similar to the JAWS key with space and then J, and then you can search for a JAWS command and it comes up. So this is a very similar function right here. Just type what you're looking for and hopefully... Chromevox will understand what you're looking for and present it in a menu for you. But if not, we can navigate through a menu system, and I'll press right arrow to do that. Jump. Menu. Go to beginning of table search plus alt plus shift plus left arrow. Menu item. One of 67. Whoa. Press up or down arrow to navigate. Enter to activate. Go to beginning of table search plus alt plus shift plus left arrow. Menu item. One of 67. So it is a little bit repetitive sometimes, but that's a lot of choices just on this one menu item. We'll quickly go down and have a look at some other ones. Go to beginning of the current column search plus control plus alt plus shift. Go to beginning of the current row search. Go to end of table search plus. Go to end of the current column search. Go to end of the current row search. Go to the next column search plus. Go to the next row search plus. Go to the previous column search plus control plus alt plus left arrow. Go to the previous row search plus, jump to details search plus A, then jump to the bottom of the page search plus control plus right arrow. Jump to the top of the page search plus control plus left arrow. 
Those are item. particularly useful commands, I find. Next button search plus B. Next character search plus shift plus right arrow. Next combo box search plus C. Next editable text area search plus E. Next form field search plus F. Next graphic search plus G. Next group search plus control plus down arrow. Next heading search plus H. Next landmark search plus semicolon. Next level one heading search plus one. If you press enter on any of these commands, they do execute. So if you are on a busy web page and you want to go somewhere and you just can't remember how to do it, you can navigate this menu. When you find the choice you want, press enter and it will actually perform the action. Next level two heading search plus two. Next level three. Next line search plus down arrow. Next link search plus L. Next list search plus J. Next object search plus right arrow. Menu. Next similar item search plus I. Next table search plus T. So we're going to go on and on with this because there are 67 items. I won't go through them all, but it is a comprehensive series of jump commands that you can traverse here and find the ones you want. And obviously any screen reader when it's new has a daunting series of commands and you've got to invest some time in coming up to speed. The point is that Chromevox is really powerful. And if you are willing to put the work in, there is quite a bit. And this is only the first menu. If I right arrow now, we'll get to the next one. Speech. Menu. Announce current battery status search plus O, then B. If I press enter, for example, we'll find out how much juice I've got at the moment. Battery at 96%. 11 hours and 37 minutes until battery is empty. So that's nice battery life, isn't it? It's suggesting that I've got about 11 hours to uh, play with before I need to charge this again. This particular Chromebook has USB-A and USB-C slots. And if memory serves, it has an SD card as well. Let's go back and explore that menu again. So I'm going to press the search key with full stop or period. Search the menu. And then right arrow. Jump. Right arrow again to speech. Speech. Menu. Announce current battery status search plus O, then B. Announce formatting for current item search plus A, then F. Announce phonetic pronunciation for word search plus A, then C. Announce the title of the current page search plus A, then W. That's a useful one to know how to quickly check what the web page is titled. Announce the URL behind a link search plus A, then L. That is also very cool to just get the URL of a link. Announce the URL of the current page search plus A, then U. Announces a complete description of the current position search plus K. Menu item. Chromebox find in page search plus forward slash. Menu item. Cycle punctuation echo search plus A, then P. Menu item. Nine. So let's try that. All punctuation. So then I do search A and P. No punctuation. Search A and P again. Some punctuation. And I presume we're back to all if we do search A and P again. All punctuation. Yep, so I'll toggle back to some. No punctuation. Some punctuation. Now let's go back to the menu. Sticky. Jump. Tabs. Chromebox. Tabs. Speech. Menu. Just arrowing down a few times. Cycle typing echo search plus decrease pitch search plus shift plus close bracket. Decrease rate of speech search plus shift plus open bracket. Increase pitch search plus close bracket. Increase rate of speech search plus open bracket. Reset text to speech settings search plus control plus shift plus backslash. That is a very useful command sometimes if you try and apply a text-to-speech engine that goes a bit wrong. And I have actually had this problem and uh, luckily was able to remember that command and get me out of a bind where I lost all speech. Show context menu search plus M. Menu item. 16 of 20. 
That is also a really important command. It's kind of like right-clicking on things, bringing up a context menu, and you will find that command to be really useful. We'll talk about that some more a bit later. Speak the current time and date search plus A, then D. Stop speech control. Men toggle speech on or off search plus volume mute. Menu item. 19 of 20. That could be useful if you have a braille display. Turn sound feedback earkins on or off search plus A, then E. Menu item. 20 of 20. I actually find the earcons quite piercing, so I do like to have those off, but I'm leaving them on for the purposes of this demo to show you what they're like. So those are the 20 items that are on this menu. If I write arrow. Tabs. Menu. Mushroom FM. The home of the fun guys. With four decades of magic mushroom memories. Mushroom FM active. Menu item. One of one. Press up or down arrow to navigate. Enter to activate. Mushroom FM. The home of the fun guys. With four decades of magic mushroom memories. <clears throat> mushroom FM active. Menu item. One of one. Now, I would normally tap the control key because that's quite repetitive, which is slightly frustrating. But what we've got here is a list of the active tabs when you are working with this in a Chrome window. This is great because you could have a lot of tabs open and it's a way to just bring them all up in a list and get to the page that you're interested in. All right, Arrow. Chromebox. Menu. Open keyboard shortcuts menu control plus alt plus slash. Menu item. We're going to continue to traverse this menu, but we will revisit some of these options in a moment. So I right arrow. Actions. Menu. Click on current item search plus space. Menu item. Start or end selection search plus S. Click on current item search plus space. And that's all we have right now. So you can select text in here as well. We'll right arrow. Heading. Menu. Now we've got a list of headings that are on the page. So if I down arrow, for example. Mushroom FM. Currently on air heading 2. What's happening on the Mushroom FM Twitter feed? He recent blog posts heading 2. And we've got all these headings here. And then when I press enter, it will jump focus to that heading on the page and you'll be able to navigate. By the way, while I remember to mention it, you can read continuously in ChromeVox by pressing the ChromeVox key, which in most cases is the search key, and R. And of course, if you have sticky mode enabled, then you can just press the letter R for read and it will read continuously. All right, Arrow. Landmark. Menu. And again, we've got a list of landmarks in a menu. Link. Menu. And links. Form controls. Table. Menu. Search the menus. And now we've wrapped around to the menu again. So one of the most important commands for a ChromeVox user to know is the search key with the full stop or period key. And also to get into that learn mode, search key with O plus K. And if you remember those two things, and also perhaps the search key with O and T for the tutorials, you have a lot in your toolbox there to get up to speed and familiar with how ChromeVox works. I'd like now to visit the ChromeVox options and see how configurable it is. To do that, as the menu said, we press the ChromeVox key with O, and then O on its own. Tab created. ChromeVox panel. ChromeVox options. Chromebox options. Now I'm going to navigate with the right arrow key. I have got sticky mode on right now. Chromebox options. Heading one. Enable verbose descriptions. Tick box. Ticked. Press search plus space to toggle. I am going to leave the verbose descriptions on for the purposes of this tutorial. But as you become more familiar with Chromebox, you'll probably want to disable that. Automatically read page after it finishes loading. Tick box. Not ticked. 
I personally prefer to do that. I like the page just reading automatically. So I'm going to press the space bar to check this box. Remember, I have got sticky mode on. Automatically read page after it finishes loading. Tick box. Ticked. If you don't have sticky mode on, you will want to press the search key with the space bar to check the box. Now I'll press right arrow. Speak text under the mouse. Tick box. Not ticked. Use pitch changes. Change pitch when speaking element types and quoted. Deleted. Bolded. Parenthesized or capitalized text. Tick box. Ticked. That could be quite a nice feature or it could be irritating. I'm going to uncheck that for now. Change pitch when... Sp- and go on. When reading capitals. Say. Cap. Before letter. Button. Has pop up. With two items. Collapsed. As is the case with many screen readers, you can have it say the word cap or you can raise the pitch for an uppercase letter. Read numbers as words. Button. That's fine. Pop up with two items. Punctuation echo. Sum. Button. Announce download notifications. Tick box. Ticked. Because this is all based around Google Chrome, you do have a good download manager here in Chrome OS. And this is where your built-in storage comes in handy. You can download media to your device. Turn off sticky mode when editing text. Smart sticky mode. Tick box. Ticked. When playing audio. Play at normal volume even if Chromebox is speaking. Button. Has pop up. With three items. Collapsed. Press search plus space to activate. I'm interested in what the options are. So I'm going to turn sticky mode off now by pressing the search key twice. Sticky mode disabled. Now let's see if I can expand this list. Hmm. When playing audio. Play at normal volume even if Chromebox is speaking. Button. Has pop-up. With three items. Collapsed. When playing audio. Play at normal volume even if Chromebox is speaking. Button. Has pop-up. With three items. Collapsed. It's not letting me expand it, actually. That's When playing audio. Button. Has pop-up. With three items. Expanded. There we go. Now let's see if we can down arrow. List box. With three items. Play at lower volume when Chromebox is speaking. List item. Pause playback when Chromebox is speaking. List item. Three of three. That's an interesting option there. Pause playback when Chromebox... So whenever Chromebox speaks, the audio pauses, and then when Chromebox stops speaking, the audio resumes again. I don't know of another screen reader that does that. That would be an interesting one. Anyway, I'll up arrow and accept what we had before, I think. Play at normal volume even if Chromebox is speaking. When playing audio... I just pressed enter to accept that choice and now we'll continue to navigate. I'll leave sticky mode off for now. So I'm going to hold the search key down and press right arrow as we continue to go through these Chromebox options. Voices. Heading two. These are grouped by heading. And when you know that, it means that you can use the heading navigation keys to jump to different sections of this screen. Select current voice. Select current voice. System text to speech voice. Button. Has pop up. With 60 items. Collapsed. Whoa. Press search plus space to activate. Let's see if we can change the voice. Select current voice. Button. Has pop up. With 60 items. Expanded. Or down arrow. List box. With 60 items. Chrome OS Bahasa Indonesia. List item. Two. Chrome OS Deutsch 1. Chrome OS Deutsch 2. Whoa. We'll see if we can get down to some English ones. Chrome OS Francais 4. Chrome OS Francais. Chrome OS Francais. Chrome OS Francais. Chrome OS Espanol. Chrome OS Deutsch 3. Chrome. Okay, system we... text to speech voice. Chrome OS Bahasa Indonesia. Chrome OS Deutsch 1. I'm not sure where English is, but we'll see if we can find it. I'll pause the recording and just do some navigating. 
Okay, I've done that. Now, they were just a few down the list, actually. Chrome OS US English 1. List I- now, if I remember rightly, I'm quite fond of the US English 5 voice. So we'll see if we find that. Chrome OS US English 5. And press enter. Select current voice. Chrome OS US English 5. Button. Has pop up. With 60 items. And we're right, error. Automatically switch Chromebox voice based on language. Tick box. Not ticked. Press search plus space to toggle. Oh man, I am much, much happier with that voice personally. I really like that voice, so we'll continue with it. Open text to speech settings search plus O. Then S. Use to install. Manage and customize voices. Link. Formatting. Heading 2. Now we're on to the next heading for formatting. Announce text styling. Tick box. Ticked. Braille. Heading 2. Select an 8-dot braille table. Select an 8-dot Braille table. English, United States. I will come back to Braille later in the tutorial. Switch to 6-dot Braille. Button. Enable word wrap. Tick box. Ticked. Show Braille commands in the Chromebox menus. Tick box. Not ticked. I'm going to enable that. Show Braille commands in the Chromebox menus. Tick box. Ticked. That'll be handy for when we connect a Braille display later. Bluetooth Braille Display. Heading 2. Select a Bluetooth Braille Display. Select a Bluetooth Braille Display. Button. We will have a look at this when I have a compatible Braille Display to hand to show you. Connect. Disabled. Forget. Disabled. Virtual Braille Display. Heading 2. Simulates the output of a refreshable Braille Display in the Chromebox panel at the top of the screen. This is a particularly compelling feature because Chromebooks are big in education and you can understand why you can get some very rugged Chromebooks so the kids can mock them about a bit in their backpacks and their school bags and they'll still function. They can see you well and truly through a school day. People can't install all sorts of software that could cause them to get up to mischief or cause configuration issues with the devices. They're really cheap, so they're ideal for the education system. And so the fact that Google has included this in the accessibility part is really a very good thing. Lines. Lines. Spin button. One. Min one. Cells in each line. Cells in each line. Spin button. 40. Min one. Current display style is side by side. Change display style to interleave. Button. Enable developer options. Heading 2. Enable developer options. Collapsed. Button. These options seem to reveal logging for a range of things like ear cons and web activity and various things of that nature. So for most of us mortals, there won't be anything useful in this menu. And those are the things that are available in this series of options for Chromevox. We got there, just a reminder, by pressing the search key with O, which is the options key, and then O once again for the options dialog. So search key with O, then O. And as we conclude our look at Chromevox, so you know your way around it and you can use the Chromebook effectively, Let's take a look at one of the other tutorials available in the options. So we'll press the search key with O and then T. Chromebox tutorial, heading one. Press search plus right arrow or search. I'm just going to tab around the screen. Quick orientation, link, essential keys, link, navigation, link, command references, link, 
Sounds and settings. Link. Press search plus space to activate. Why don't we do that? Because I think this one will be a useful one to do as we wrap up our introduction to Chromebox. Sounds. Heading 1. Press search plus right arrow or search plus left arrow to navigate this lesson. Well, we know a little bit about Chromebox now, so actually I'm going to turn sticky mode on by pressing the search key twice. Sticky mode enabled. And now we'll press right arrow. Chromebox uses sounds to give you essential and additional information. You can use these sounds to navigate more quickly by learning what each sound means. Once you get more comfortable, you can turn off verbose descriptions in speech and rely on them for essential information about the page. Here's a complete list of sounds and what they mean. From now on, whenever I press right arrow, or if you don't have sticky mode on, search with right arrow, it's going to play a sound and tell you what that sound is all about. And it is true, if you get used to these sounds, then you can actually be quite efficient by turning the verbosity way down. So listen closely, here we go. A modal alert. A non-modal alert. A button. An unticked tick box. A ticked tick box. An editable text field. An invalid key press. A link. A list box or combo box. A page load in progress. Quite soothing, isn't it? Sounds like a ticking clock. A pop-up button. A slider. Now, that page load in progress is not stopping, and I'm not sure how to stop it. So that's a bit of a bug, isn't it? We can't stop the page load sound. Wrap from beginning to end or end to beginning inside a page. Main menu. Button. Exit tutorial. Button. Chromebox to exit tutorial. Button. Hopefully we'll get the press search sound behind us when we press exit. Sticky mode disabled. Chromebox. Mushroom blog. It's finally gone. There we go. <laughs> well, it does help you to learn what those sounds mean. And if you become familiar with them, then clearly that is actually a lot more efficient than hearing tick box ticked or whatever Chromebox chooses to describe the controls as. So efficiency nuts, rejoice. That is quite a cool feature. And that's where we're going to wrap this first installment of the Chromebook tutorial and review. And in the next installment, we'll have a look at some more accessibility features and then go on to having a look at some real-world use. Well, it seems like many moons, many moons ago, that we had a body bulletin. So we're well overdue. Back in the studio, standing up this time, is the incredible Bonnie Mosin. Hi, guys. How are you? I'm good. You How's... must have squillions of items of news. Uh, not really. I mean, I oh, lead up. A... Well, thanks for the bunny bulletin. <laughs> I lead a pretty boring life. You know, I get up, I go to work, I come home, I do my show, that's a read. That's about it. I guess the, the biggest news is that Eclipse had surgery this week. That's um, For those who don't know, Eclipse was... is Bonnie's CNR dog. Yeah. They did a needle biopsy and it came back with what's called mast cell tumors, mast cells, mast cells. And what they are is they're, it is a form of cancer. They're three grades, low, medium, and high. It is caused by the histamines in the body, the release of histamines in the body. So they decided to do surgery. Now, where the 
lump is, you want to get clean margins, as you naturally do with removing any kind of tumor. But it's difficult because when you think about your ankles, unless you're an elephant, there's not a lot of meat on your ankle. So she's home, doing very well, seems almost back to her normal self. And the other big news going on here in New Zealand at the moment is that the government has announced the most significant disability transformation ever. Mm -hmm. And that was uh, revealed on Friday. So the idea is that there will be a Ministry for Disabled People up and running by July the 1st next year, a managed fund system called Enabling Good Lives, which has been piloted in various regions of the country, will be rolled out nationally. And so that's quite significant change. And I think the challenge now is to make sure that disabled people are running this new ministry. Yeah, absolutely. We're very fortunate as as blind people and visually impaired people that we don't we have needs, obviously. We need the technology, we need, you know, with employment, the accessibility of building spaces with braille and large print and digital accessibility. But on on many levels we are so fortunate and listening to and reading about some of the people that this will certainly hopefully be a very positive uh, change for when you look at a lot of people who who want to live life who want to live their life as independent as possible but they have a lot of physical or neurological challenges that make it difficult for them to do things independently and have to have a support worker what we call a personal care attendant in the states and just from kind of working in the sector there's so much that goes on with how many hours a support person can have not getting really good support agencies not paying them that sort of thing so really hoping that it's going to be a very positive thing particularly for people who are who are physically very physically challenged And I think the last time we had a serious look at this in New Zealand was in the 1990s. I was involved in government relations at that time, and there was a decision taken that most disability support services would come under the auspices of the Ministry of Health. Mm -hmm. And the trouble with that is that it really enforces the medical model Mm -hmm. that disability is a medical issue. And there's so much more to it. There are so many social aspects that haven't been considered of how do you create a less disabling society So this is a really positive thing, and it's now going to be a case of obviously finding disabled people who can be at the forefront of this change, but also capacity building, because we really have to do a better job of equipping more disabled people to take these leadership roles and determine our own destinies. Yeah. At some point in our lives, you're going to be disabled. You know, that's just the way it is. Yeah, they say that we are all temporarily able-bodied. Exactly. I mean, it could be a broken ankle that you've broken just playing sports and, you know, you need to be able to access a building or as you age or, or anything. And I think it will be not just for helping disabled people, but also for the whole good of of society, because I've commented ever since I've come to New Zealand about how a lot of the buildings are just impossible. It's where I go to the medical center to go upstairs to physical therapy or to get your blood drawn. These stairs, they are so steep and narrow. And there's this elevator, but it looks like something out of the Middle Ages. It's a cage, and I'm not getting in that cage. So, yeah, hello, Eclipse. Yes, Eclipse is agreeing with us. And the buses, because we have so many hills in Wellington and the streets are narrow, that even though they claim to have 
buses that are disability friendly that can kneel down. A lot of times they don't. And you have these monster steps that you have to get up on. So you're thinking about not just disabled people, but seniors, moms with prams, getting their kids on, you know, so it'll benefit everybody. The other thing that you really notice when either you are in New Zealand or going to the United States or going in the other direction is the stark contrast in terms of the availability of Braille. Yes. Braille is virtually non-existent in public spaces here. Maybe there are some on elevators and a few places like that, but you don't get a lot of Braille here. No, I will never forget. I think the first time that really came home to me, I had gone for my first job interview here, actually. And it was in a 40-story building, which is either the tallest in Wellington. It's the Majestic Center. And this is 40-plus stories. So I get in the elevator, and it starts moving. And I'm looking around. There's no Braille. There's nothing. I'm like, oh, boy, this mm. is going to be fun. You know, so took a little ride, and this very lovely Japanese diplomat <laughs> got on because the Japanese in- embassy is in the building. <laughs> I said, "Excuse me, sir, can you help me get to the first floor?" He, and he looks and goes, "No braille." I'm like, "No." <laughs> so, um, and then we stayed in that hotel one time, which actually was a blindness conference was in that hotel, and usually because I've seen before, no print. I can feel the print on the door and know what door I'm in. This had nothing. It was just, it was flat. And I had to put a bracelet on the door handle, a cheap bracelet on the door handle, so we could find our way back to our hotel room, and then someone took it. Yes, somebody, probably from housekeeping or something, just takes it away because they think it's hanging there erroneously. It is really frustrating, and yet most hotels in the U.S. now have Braille available on the doors so you know where you are. Yeah. So have Ira now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, thank, thank you, Ira. Yeah. We do have a lot of catching up to do, but I think the announcement of the Ministry for Disabled People is really significant. And now, as I say, the challenge will be to make sure that whoever is leading that ministry to begin with, the new chief executive, sets the correct parameters and the vision for the future because getting that right the first time is going to be so critical in oh, terms absolutely. of the values of that organization. Absolutely. And I and I want that to be a really a qualified person. And I'm sure they I, I don't know who the players are in the disability rights movement here. You know, I really don't. That's that's just not my my space that I'm in. But picking someone that's not just gonna be kind of a What's the word I want? Bureaucrat. Bureaucrat. Someone that really knows what they're doing, not just a disabled person for the sake of having, feeling, you know, just saying, okay, you know, this person's disabled, they'll run it when they have no experience. Because like you said, if they mess it up, you know, because they're, they're, they're out of their depth, then that's, that's not going to be good. And having people, having disabled people on committees or advising them as well from the different sectors because not all disabled not all disabilities are equal and not all our needs like I was talking earlier are equal so really focusing on what what do you need what does your community need and dealing that because still as a blind person I still have people think I need the handicapped restroom the disabled restroom or you go to a hotel and somebody decides that you need the special rooms you know mm-hmm. the disability friendly rooms which are really designed for people with physical impairments yeah with wheelchairs yeah. yeah 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 or or that you probably need one of those oh what is it those they call and this is actually how the hotel per the, the text 
the tel- the, oh, the TTY the devices. The TTY. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, no, I don't yeah. need the TTY. That's for people who are deaf or hard of hearing. But what that illustrates is that there has to be a lot of work done on making yes. New Zealand, and we're not unique in this regard, mm-hmm. a more disability confident no. society. And that's yeah. one of the real challenges too. So yeah. really interesting times ahead. I think yeah. it's a great move. It's a good, uh, It is a great move. Yeah. I tend to be more cynical and jaded as I get older. So it's kind of like it looks great. It looks good on paper. But let's see if it can run out of the gate. Well, sure. The devil's in the detail with yeah. any implementation yeah. like this, but it's it's exciting. Peter, body doesn't want to answer your email, so you know, no, you can it. ask it. What is the? I mean, I don't think I can answer his email. Is more like it. Hi, Jonathan. If I remember well, Bonnie comes from one of the southern states of the United States, where folks love to have a gun. In America, as far as I know, it is historically a basic constitutional right to have the means to defend yourself against evil people and the government itself, using a deadly weapon if needed. My question is, is it possible for a blind man, and presumably woman, to buy and own a gun? Can I, as a completely blind person, walk into a weapon store and say, a shotgun, please, the bigger the better? If so, is it popular in the blind community of the southern states to have a gun? Are blind citizens allowed to hold a gun when walking in the street or travelling with public transport? In Hungary, only professionals like police officers, prosecutors and hunters are entitled to own a gun. For everyday people, it's nearly impossible. First, it's it's not just a southern state thing. A lot of it is out west and all over the country. So it's not just... I think the media kind of portrays it as being a Southern thing, but it's not. If you look at the news right now, there's so much gun violence going on in New York City at the moment in Washington and and areas like that. So it is all over the country. The amendment, the Second Amendment was passed back in whenever the Second Amendment, a long time ago, when the U.S. was still a very wilderness area. So you did have to protect yourself against wild animals and you know thieves and they were muskets they were not they were not the kind of rifles we have today these were you know they weren't pistols or shotguns they were they were muskets so it's never really been revisited as far as me owning a gun no i've never owned a gun i don't like guns guns kill i don't i don't like them um they scare me I have been taught how to fire a gun. My father wanted to make sure that my mother and I knew how to fire a gun. Now, whether I could, I don't think so. You know, I I don't remember. And I have fired guns in in ROTC in college. I went and we we did a firing of M16s, which was kind of interesting. But I would not own one. I would not buy one at all. Might buy an empty one, like a one that looked real, and if someone got in the house. But as far as blind people owning guns, I don't think I know of any blind people that own a gun. But there was a book, I think it's several years ago, called Guns and Guide Dogs or something. And it was about a guy out in Iowa or somewhere that got a gun license. So I I guess a lot of it depends on the state and um, that sort of thing. So I don't know. That would probably be a question for more of the the listener base who may have more info on that than... I know of one blind person that 
has a gun license and I recently read because I scan mm-hmm. many news sources for blindness related stories every day, mm-hmm. partly because of this show. Yeah. And I recently heard about a blind person in one state. I apologize. I forget which state it was because this topic doesn't interest me much. Yeah. He applied repeatedly for mm-hmm. a firearms license and was denied it because of his blindness. Oh, okay. And he now has one. And there mm-hmm. was this big article about how happy he was that not only has he got the license, but he's also got a concealed weapons permit. Charming. So, yeah. So, I mean, look. I have lived in the States, worked with American organizations for a long time, and I just have come to terms with the fact that this thing is completely incomprehensible to most people outside the United States. It just does not compute. It's the most I, – I, I will never get it, and I – so I just give up. Well, thank you for another interesting Bonnie Bulletin. Okay. We'll have you back again sometime. Okay. Bye. Goodbye. Hello, Jonathan. It's Thomas Upton. Today, at the time of this recording, Monday, October 25th, 2021, it is the 20th anniversary of the retail release of Microsoft Windows XP. I can remember using that operating system when I was a child. I remember that my family, most notably my parents and my brother, we had a couple of Windows XP computers around the house. We had a desktop and then we had a laptop. And I remember using all kinds of programs on Windows XP. Like, for example, it was the the computer operating system that introduced me to both JAWS for Windows and Talking Typer from APH. I remember also using Windows XP on a couple of the computers at school, most notably on a laptop computer that my then vision teacher owned. And I learned how to use those programs like JAWS and Talking Typer, for example. And so this leads me to this one question. What are your memories of Windows XP? Because I know that there are a lot of good times since we were like like children or no matter how old we are when we were still alive when Windows XP first came out in 2001 and even still even after many years after Windows XP's end of support in 2014 the operating system's legacy will still live on thanks for your contribution thomas If I look back, I don't really have very strong or fond memories of Windows XP. It was just another evolutionary step on the computing continuum. I remember, for example, that Windows Millennium was a bit of a flop. You know what I mean? Windows Millennium had a pretty hard time. And Microsoft had a history of this. Windows XP, it was just solid and dependable and we got on and we used it. The paradigm that was introduced with Windows 95, it had a chance to bed in well and truly by then because we'd had Windows 98 and then that dodgy Windows Millennium. By the time Windows XP came along, it was pretty solid, as I recall. That's the only thing I really think about when I look back at Windows XP was the solidity, solidity of it. And you contrast that with Windows Vista, which was just appalling. (laughs) So Microsoft does have this cycle of hit and miss 
Windows 7 lasted a while and was generally well received. Windows 8 was a debacle. And I have the feeling that after a very successful Windows 10, we're going to see, as somebody suggested a couple of weeks ago on this show, actually, that Windows 11 will be one of those off releases and all the wrinkles will be ironed out in time for some future Windows 12. But if you have some particularly fond memories of Windows XP, by all means, get in touch and share them. Rebecca Skipper says, I still have an old Dell laptop that I refuse to get rid of because it was my first laptop given to me by my parents. Oh, Bonnie would like a word with you, Rebecca. She doesn't like people who hoard technology, I can tell you. <laughs> it has, she says, a lot of sentimental value. I've always loved the XP startup sound. See, see, if I had listened to Bonnie and got rid of my Windows XP computer that I haven't booted up for the last 12 years, I would not have been able to play that startup sound to you now. So there. Oh, and Outlook Express, says Rebecca. She loved that too. Narrator was terrible back then, but I loved Office 2003. I'd never use XP in an online environment, but I'd love to use it as a media device or a gaming device. Having a machine dedicated to entertainment without interruption might be a good thing. <laughs> JAWS 2022 works great on Windows 11, and I was able to update my Surface Laptop Go to Windows 11 after installing JAWS 2022. One of the features I'm excited about is support for Microsoft's Math Equation Editor and the Braille Editor, which allows you to type Nemeth code in Microsoft Word. I wish this was available when I was in high school. These features are game changers in my view. I finally updated all my Apple devices. Siri doesn't work better for me in iOS 15.1. Hmm, not confirmed here, Rebecca. Definitely not confirmed here. The email reading functionality is back in Siri, so they have restored a few of the functions that were taken away as part of the migration to online features. So for me, there are some significant enhancements in 15.1 relating to Siri. And going all over the operating system map, Rebecca says, I look forward to working more with Monterey's features. That's the new operating system for the Mac that has also been released this week. I hope, she says, you will take another look at the Mac one day. Oh, Rebecca, your wishes have come true because Bonnie and I, as I think I said on Mosin at Large, Bought an M1 Mac over Christmas last year, and it's very fast, and it's very snappy, and there's lots of good battery life. Rebecca, continuing to go all over the operating system map, says, If someone wanted to use Voxmate, but didn't want to spend $900 on an Android device, is it possible to buy a good Android phone for the price of an entry-level iPhone SE? Oh, Rebecca, it's possible to buy a good Android phone for much less than the price of an iPhone SE. You can get an Android device capable of running Voxmate for a very, very low price. And this is one of the attractions of Android, is the range of price points. Voxmate is not particularly processor intensive or anything like that. So you can get a very basic Android phone and rock Voxmate on that thing. We had a really interesting listener inquiry last week about games that blind parents can play with sighted kids. And Christopher is writing in on this and says, I talked about the Quentin C Playroom before, and it's still a great option. For those who'd like to check out the website, it is at QC Salon. That's Q-C-S-A-L-O-N dot net. He says it prints all information to the screen. So as long as you can read, it should be playable for everyone. 
Best of all, it's free and runs on all the major platforms thanks to the web client which supports keyboard shortcuts. There's also the Windows program, which has just been updated to version 3.0. Unlike the web client, there aren't quite as many things that can be clicked on with the mouse, but many of the keyboard commands are very easy to remember, and you can always press F1 in any game to get the list of keys. I've been using this awesome service for over 10 years, and it works well for my sighted dad and sister, who mainly want to play Monopoly or Uno. Other possibilities might include a Braille with an uppercase B deck of Uno and or regular playing cards with print so everyone can play many types of card games. Or the Boppet toys. <laughs> I haven't used these in a long time, so I don't know if the newer ones are fully accessible. But they're great, as long as they talk or otherwise provide auditory feedback and have tactile controls, everyone can play. They're great for improving memory and reflex skills as well. If you can find accessible board games, those would work. Though I'd hate playing Braille Monopoly on a board after spending so much time on a computer where all the tedium of moving and managing pieces is handled by the software. I'm not sure what else to recommend. This is another one of those times when society shuns us. Please correct me if I'm wrong concerning the following point. With the exception of The Last of Us 2, Code 7, and Skullgirls, all other mainstream video games are either not playable at all, or somewhat playable with lots of weird workarounds, which isn't good enough, as far as I'm concerned. I want to sit down and play a game knowing I can fully control and enjoy the experience. I don't consider using OCR, memorizing menus or the plethora of other tricks to be acceptable solutions, particularly when you end up with a partial experience that isn't as good as the average sighted person would get. On the flip side, sighted people don't want to play audio-only games, even though there's no reason they couldn't. They avoid them purely because there are no visual elements. This is also why I don't feel completely comfortable around people who are visually impaired. The experience between blind and visually impaired is very different, and I find I don't have much in common. Thanks, Christopher. Mainstream gaming is something I know nothing about, so I'd certainly welcome anyone's input on mainstream games that do work well for blind and sighted people to play together. Really good suggestions about card games. We've got quite a few unique card games like Uno and Crazy Eights, and we also have a deck of playing cards, and they've all got Braille and print on them, and it's fun to play. We've done a lot of that. The Boppet games also, absolutely fantastic. We've got quite the collection of Boppet games. They're is one Boppet game that we got that wasn't fully accessible and I think it was called Boppet Download. It was quite cool because you could download different voices. I think you might have even been able to make your own voices for this one. But if you played long enough, you got into a mode where the command that was being said was different from the control that was flashing. So it was quite an advanced thing. You had to play a long time to get to this point, but then you got stuck. For example, it would say bop it, and every so often, instead of flashing the bop it thing, it would flash the flick it thing. And you had to do what was being flashed, not what was being said. And that, of course, includes a blind person out. But the bop it games are so much fun. And even now, occasionally, we'll take one out and do pass it and pass the bop it game around. They are such cool fun. And I'm grateful to you, Christopher, because you've given me another chance to have a wee rant as the self-proclaimed 
but justly in my view, self-proclaimed but justly proclaimed world blind monopoly champion, it is such a shame that so few accessible versions of the game of Monopoly do not follow the rules, or at least accessible versions that are available now. Back in the DOS days, I used to play a wonderful version of Monopoly written by a guy called Don Philip Gibson. You couldn't go into screen reader review mode, but it was accessible if you just listened to what was being said, and that followed the rules properly. Hooray! There were a few DOS versions of Monopoly, actually, that did follow the rules correctly. And then on Windows, we had Jim Kitchen's game. You can now get that again and play the Jim Kitchen version of Monopoly. That also has the Monopoly rules implemented correctly, but there is some customization and you can even customize the boards. You can play with multiple people, but it's not an online game. So if you want to play with someone who's not in the same physical vicinity as you, you could get online with Zoom or Teams or something like that and play the game but it's not multiplayer online, which is a shame. The online versions of Monopoly that are out there at the moment that are accessible that I'm aware of, and I'm only aware of two that are current, the Arius Games and the Quentin's Playroom, both do not follow the rules, and it bugs me. I'm a, very, I'm a bit of a Monopoly purist, so people want to play Monopoly with me online and take on the World Blind Monopoly champion. And, I mean, I don't know why they would want to do that and humiliate themselves in this way, but they do. But I'm not going to play a version that doesn't follow the rules. The biggest and most egregious offense on both of these games is, let's say, for example, that I have hotels on St. James Place, New York Avenue, and Tennessee Avenue. And, yes, I always play the original American version of the board. It's highly likely that I will have hotels on there. And you land on it, which is also highly likely. And you can't pay, which is also extremely likely. What is supposed to happen is at that point, you have to mortgage and pay your debt before the game can continue. And if you can't do that, then you have to declare bankruptcy and you are gone, burger. You are out of the game. Now, both the Quentin C version of Monopoly and the Arius Games has a in my view, it's a bug. And I don't think it's a programming bug. It's a misunderstanding of the rules of Monopoly, where if you can't pay, the game continues until it's your turn again. So your turn ends, the game goes on. Then when you come to your next turn, they make you pay at that point. But that completely skews the game in a different direction. It can actually materially affect the result of the game. And that's why I don't play on either of those platforms, because that rule is not being properly followed. I don't know why this is so hard to understand in the blind community because every version of Monopoly that we have that I play with the kids on the iPad or something like that has it right. For example, the official Hasbro version has it right. So sometimes the kids come over and we connect the iPad to the Apple TV and we do it on AirPlay and we play Monopoly that way. So if there's a mortgage situation there, it's handled correctly. As I say, the Kitchen's Inc. game handles it correctly. Most other games, but for whatever reason, these two that are accessible to us and support online play both get it wrong. Now, what's interesting is I even contacted IRS Games a long, long time ago and said, I, I, if you have to rewrite it, I will fund it. <laughs> I, will, I will pay to get you to fix this. And no one has. So if there is another accessible online version of Monopoly that correctly implements the rules, I would be delighted 
delighted, I tell you, to know about it. In the meantime, when I'm playing with friends around the world, I will continue to just do what I've done for years and use the Jim Kitchen game, which does do it correctly, and play via some sort of audio conferencing platform. I love to hear from you, so if you have any comments you want to contribute to the show, drop me an email written down or with an audio attachment to Jonathan, J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N at mushroomfm.com. If you'd rather call in, use the listener line number in the United States, 864-606-6736. Posing at Large Podcast.